0: Bible and Ashley Freeman went missing nearly 20 years ago. Search parties were formed, missing person signs were hung up, and the community, of course, was on edge.
1: And tonight we hear from a close friend of the girls who is still staying hopeful that their bodies will be found. News on Six's Amy Kaufman is on that story in Veneta with the latest. Amy. Craig and Terry, Ronnie Busick is sitting in the Craig County jail tonight facing four counts of murder. But despite the gruesome details of this case, one of Laura and Ashley's closest childhood friends tells me that she helps people remember who the girls were as opposed to what they went through. Easy to get lost in the details
2: of this, but what I hope and wish is that people won't dwell on those things and that they will take that energy. And remember
1: the girls. Sheena Reese says she was coming home from basketball at Blue Jacket High School when she found out about the fire at the Freeman House. She immediately rushed home to call Laura to see if Ashley was okay. I
2: just wanted to get home
1: to get to a phone you know to call
2: Laura and that's when he told me that she was with her. That was
1: like a shot to the gut. 24 hours later after investigators left the home turned crime scene, family and friends went to make sure nothing was missed. They sifted through all the
2: way to the ground to make sure those two girls were in there and they weren't. So we knew
1: we had to get a search party going. Sheena and her family were involved in several different searches and hung up missing posters across the area, but says even when it was difficult, she never gave up hope. Laura and Ashley were such fighters and both so full of
2: life and love. Sheena says she still thinks about them every day. I didn't get a chance to have children get married. So I hope those of us that are here make something of that for them.
1: Because ultimately, everyone is fighting for the same goal, to get the girls home.
2: Knowing that that will give them some closure and peace of mind, that will give me closure.
1: Sheena tells me that she's still hopeful that Laura and Ashley's bodies will be found. So if you have any information that could help lead investigators to Laura and Ashley's bodies, you're asked to call OSBI. Live on the scene, on this story from Craig County, Amy Kaufman News on 6.
0: This story will make your blood boil. Back in December of 1999, two people were killed and two girls were taken. In May of 2017, True Crime Garage covered this case in episodes 107 and 108 titled The Missing Welch Girls. Our show description read something like this. In the early morning hours of December 30th, 1999 in Welch, Oklahoma, a trailer home fire is reported. Firefighters arrive and put out the blaze. The dead body of wife and mother Kathy Freeman is discovered. Her husband, daughter, and family friend are missing. Law enforcement theorized Kathy's husband, Danny, shot her, set the home on fire, and abducted his daughter, Ashley, and their friend, Laura. The following day, to everyone's surprise, Laura's family was looking for clues at the scene of the fire. There and then, they find the body of Danny Freeman. And the description goes on to read, Tonight we gather in the garage and discuss what could have possibly happened the night in the trailer. We also want to know what happened to Ashley Freeman and Laura Bible. Well, today we gather in the garage once again to discuss the aggravating update we have in this case.
3: First, let's go through a little recap of this story.
0: This true crime story, now 23 years old. It's been 23 years and the families here are still seeking answers. And truly, when you get down to it, still seeking justice. Because it's sad to say, but we have seen it before, and I don't ever want to see it again. But sometimes, unfortunately, evil wins. And here, in this case, I am hoping that we can all pull together and make sure that evil does not win. So let's go back in time, Captain, to the end of 1999. Many were bracing themselves for the Y2K scare. But in the tiny town of Welch, Oklahoma, two girls were celebrating something other than the upcoming New Year and New Millennium. They were celebrating a birthday. Welch is located in Craig County, which is one of the northeasternmost counties in Oklahoma. This case is so well known in this part of the country that if you were to look up Welch, Oklahoma, this case is highlighted on the Welch Wikipedia page. 16-year-old Laura Bible spent the evening of Wednesday, December 29th, 1999 at her best friend's house. Her best friend, Ashley Freeman, was turning 16 years old on this day. And the two friends, along with Ashley's parents and a few other friends, were going to have some fun for the youngster's birthday. These two were the best of friends, longtime friends, the kind that you are so used to seeing them together that they almost start looking alike. In some of these pictures, Captain, Laura and Ashley almost look like they could be cousins.
3: If we start looking alike, I'm going to quit. Now, they're celebrating at Ashley's family's house. They, They own a trailer that was close to Welsh, Oklahoma.
0: Yeah, this is a trailer home. This is their residence. Much of the following is from the Charlie Project website, which is by far, in my humble garage opinion, the best database of missing persons. That's charlieproject.org, and I know many people spend a lot of time reading all of the cases and profiles on that site. Just remember to donate a few dollars while you are there to make sure that the Charlie Project site never goes away. Kathy Freeman, Ashley's mother, took the two girls to Big Bill's Barbecue on North Wilson Street in Veneta, Oklahoma. The group traveled in Kathy's blue Toyota to pick up feed for the Freemans' livestock as well as water from Kathy's mother's house. The Freemans' trailer had a wood-burning stove in the living room and phone service and electricity. The Freeman family was described as avid hunters and outdoor enthusiasts who enjoyed living in the remote location. Due to the fact that they were hunters, there were numerous firearms stockpiled inside the home. Ashley's boyfriend, Jeremy Hurst, told investigators that he met the women at a local Walmart after their dinner. He gave Ashley a silver chain with a heart-shaped pendant embedded with her birthstone for her birthday present. Jeremy Hurst said that he returned to the Freeman's home with both of the girls shortly afterwards. He said that nothing appeared to be amiss while he was there and that he departed sometime between 9.30 and 10.30 p.m.
3: Ashley's father, Danny Freeman, also had relatives over for the birthday party.
0: They left after Jeremy Hurst left the trailer that night. Authorities said that no outgoing telephone calls were made from the family's home during the night. Kathy planned to take Ashley to her driver's test the following morning. Laura had a dental appointment scheduled for the following morning and planned to leave the trailer shortly beforehand. Now, Laura is 16, so she's driving age. She drove to the Freeman residence that evening. A passing motorist reported a fire in the vicinity of the Freeman's residence at approximately 6 a.m. This is on the morning of Thursday, December 30th, 1999. First responders arrive on the scene, and shortly after, authorities discovered Kathy Freeman's remains inside the debris during that afternoon search of the trailer in the property. Investigators initially stated that they were positive that no other bodies were inside the home and did not secure the location during the overnight hours. Danny Freeman, Ashley's father at the time, was considered to be the prime suspect in his wife's murder. In fact, authorities believe that he may have abducted Ashley and Laura and traveled elsewhere with them. But The problem with this theory here, Captain, was that all of the Freeman's vehicles were parked near the home. They're found on the property.
3: Yeah, a lot of this initial investigation doesn't make a lot of sense, but you could see where law enforcement was going with this thought. Hey, we found the mother. We can't find the father. We can't find the kids. One could assume father took the kids.
0: Laura Bible's car was also nearby. And one detail that was. Thought to be odd and strange at the time was that the keys, Laura's keys, were found in the car and in the ignition that following day. Now, again, this is a very remote area. They don't have any nearby neighbors. I can see 16 year old, I could even see myself just leaving the keys in the car. She's planning on getting up and going to that dental appointment early the next morning. Later, we have Laura Bible's family. They're at the scene, and remember, this is an unsecured scene. They're trying to figure out what happened to their daughter, to their loved one. They find Laura's purse propped up inside the trailer, and that is the only evidence that they found of their daughter at the scene. The vehicle parked outside, keys in the ignition, and Laura Bible's purse propped up against, uh, I believe it was, uh, like a corner in in one of the walls in one of the rooms of the trailer. The following morning, the Bibles return to the trailer in an attempt to gather more evidence as to their daughter's whereabouts. J-Bible is Laura's father. This is when J-Bible discovers Danny Freeman's body in the bedroom of the mobile home. So that theory is completely wiped out.
3: Well, it makes you wonder how law enforcement and firefighters missed this victim
0: correct and it also makes it extra difficult and upsetting that they didn't secure the scene either
3: yeah because one could question if he didn't find it that day is it possible that he was taken away from that scene and then brought back
0: later it was determined that both Danny and Kathy Freeman had died as the result of gunshot wounds not from the fire Danny's body was partially covered by debris inside the bedroom this explaining why his remains were overlooked by firefighters and police the medical examiner determined that Danny's right collarbone had been fractured prior to the entrance of the fatal gunshot wound so it would appear that there was some kind of scuffle some kind of fight he Danny certainly had injuries that took place right before he was killed with that gunshot wound
3: well it raises questions why would somebody want this couple dead? Why would they set their place ablaze? And where are these girls?
0: And the coroner determined that Kathy Freeman died at approximately 5 a.m. on that day. And remember, the fires reported at approximately 6 a.m. that morning. Investigators believe that the fire was intentionally set, this as an attempt to destroy evidence of these two crimes and, and potentially cover them up completely. An extensive search for the girls produced no evidence as to their whereabouts. Lorraine Bible, Laura's mother, told reporters that Ashley, her daughter's friend, had been saving her money to purchase a used vehicle. Remember, she's going to get her driver's test the day after her birthday. Lorraine said that she believed that Ashley had about $1,200 in her savings. Ashley's boyfriend, Jeremy Hurst, said that Ashley actually had saved between $3,000 and $4,000 for a vehicle. Wow. She was employed at a convenience store in town and was using a lot of that money to purchase her first car. The boyfriend, Jeremy Hurst, said that Ashley did not have a bank account and, in fact, she kept her money sealed in a Tupperware container in the family's freezer. Authorities, armed with this information, were unable to locate any evidence of the cash after the fire. Lorraine stated that Ashley and Danny had been arguing earlier in the month regarding what vehicle she was going to buy. She claimed that Ashley wanted to purchase a different car than what Danny had decided she should be buying. Oklahoma law enforcement officer David Haynes shot and killed the Freeman's son Shane the year before in 1998. Shane was found on a country road in possession of a stolen vehicle when the officer encountered him. Shane Freeman allegedly reached behind his back and pulled a gun on the officer, prompting officer Hayes to fire at him. Right. The incident was investigated and Hayes's actions were found to be justified. He and his brother, who was also a law enforcement officer said that they both were required to take polygraph exams after the girls, disappearances in 1999 neither of them though however were ever considered to be suspects in the investigation
3: well this is a strange case strange scenario and then a fractured relationship between the freemans and law enforcement so a lot of the family started believing that maybe law enforcement was behind these murders
0: yeah local law enforcement possibly involved in the murders and then the disappearance of the girls as well of course We're being told by law enforcement that there's no evidence that seemed to support that theory at the time. But as you can imagine, Captain, that's going to be difficult for several of the Freeman family to agree with that statement. There was speculation that Ashley and Laura may have been involved in the Freeman's murders after the searches failed to produce evidence as to their whereabouts. Investigators stated that there was nothing in either girl's background to suggest at all that they could be capable of such a horrible crime. Ashley was a member of the Welch High School basketball team. Laura was a cheerleader who planned to become a cosmetologist after her high school graduation. Both girls were very much the girl next door. They were, they were good kids. Both girls were viewed as well-behaved teenagers.
3: Well, with such a heinous crime, and there's obviously so much confusion, so we're going to have so many suspects and so many different angles that law enforcement is going to have to dive into.
0: That's right, Captain. Several suspects were looked at and investigated over the years. This includes serial killers Tommy Lynn Sells and Jeremy Brian Jones, both who we discussed Briefly in our original coverage of this case, we talked about both of those serial killers. And that's because both of these guys confessed on separate occasions. These two didn't know each other, uh, confessed to having committed the murders. Police pursued both possibilities, but neither killer could offer up solid proof that they were involved and neither killer could lead the authorities to the missing girls as well. So the case dragged on throughout the years. And as we said at the top of today's show, it's 23 years now and we have families that are still looking for answers and still looking for justice. Now it appears to me, captain in reviewing this case that it was never what I would call a cold case. So it was never really a cold case. It seems like new leads and tips were constantly coming in over the years, but as it were for, A large part of the investigation, the police were having no luck solving the case.
3: Well, there's so many local rumors and speculation. And then you have these killers that are confessing and it makes you wonder, are they just, are they so mentally deranged that they're confessing to these crimes? Or is it that law enforcement is just so good at getting a confession?
0: Detectives said that things started coming together for the case in 2016 and 2017. There was a major break in the case, according to the media, uh, this in April of 2018. So now we're 18 years after the two teens vanished and after the murders. In April of 2018, this is when police announced that they had made a serious break in the case. So authorities are saying that they identified Warren Philip Phil Welch II, Uh, His real name is, his legal name would be Warren Philip Welch II, but he goes by Phil. And David A. Pennington and Ronnie Dean Busick as all having been involved in the murders, the arson and the abduction of the two girls. Police say that the three of these guys, Welch, Pennington, and Busick, all went to the Freeman trailer in the middle of the night on the night in question. They killed Danny and Kathy. They set the trailer home on fire and left taking the girls with them. But because this is 18 years later, after the crimes, Pennington and Welch were deceased by the time that they were named as suspects in the case, identified as suspects in the case.
3: Yeah, I'd like to dig up their dead bones and kill them again.
0: But Ronnie Dean Busick was alive. And so he was arrested and charged with four counts of first-degree murder, two counts of kidnapping, and one count of arson. Phil Welch, one of the deceased members of this group of losers, was described as evil and said by witnesses to be thought of as the mastermind in the killings of Ashley, Laura, and Ashley's parents. He died in 2007. David Pennington died in 2015. So in 2018, once the police figured out what happened and how a lot of this went down, there was only one man left standing, only one guy to, to arrest and charge here in this case. All three of these dudes had criminal histories, and both Welch and Pennington had documented histories of violence against women. Right. Right. One strange tidbit here in this case, Captain, was that an auto insurance card was found near the crime scene. This was a few days after the murders in 1999. So after the the two murders are discovered, the arson, and now with both parents dead, it's believed that the two girls were abducted. A few days after this, they find an auto insurance card near the crime scene. And we say near the crime scene, it, it sounds like police didn't do their job when you just say near the crime scene, but keep in mind, I believe that their nearest neighbor at the time lived like a mile away. So near the crime scene could mean could mean three quarters of a mile away from the home.
3: Right, but this card shouldn't be out there. It doesn't it doesn't get there just all old willy-nilly.
0: The insurance card belonged to Welch's then girlfriend who said that she did not know the Freeman family and had never been to their home, had never been to their property and had no idea why her insurance card was there. Though she did admit that Welch Phil Welch knew Danny Freeman.
3: Yeah. And maybe he took her vehicle.
0: Correct. And up until a few months before Danny and Kathy were killed, Phil Welch was their nearest neighbor. He was living in a house that is stated to be less than a mile to the south of the Freeman's trailer. So still living a good distance away. The insurance card was not given much significance early on in this investigation by police, uh, not given much significance at the time by police. So a private investigator working for one of the families kept this insurance card instead. The same private investigator found the blue Mercury Topaz vehicle that was linked to the insurance card. It had been sent to a salvage yard. The investigator told police about this vehicle, but said that the police wouldn't take the car into evidence. In fact, they called for revoking the private investigator state license from the Council on Law Enforcement Education and training for, quote, interfering in their investigation into the Freeman and Bible case. But what we do know now, captain, all of these years later is that that insurance card later turned out to be a very important clue in this case.
3: Yes. Very important. Indeed. My friend, all three of these scumbags had a lengthy criminal history.
0: That's correct. And Phil Welch was known as a quote cooker of methamphetamine and pennington his friend one of these other guys was also involved with the drug meth as well
3: definitely no heisenberg or pinkman
0: after ashley and laura's disappearance welch broke up with his girlfriend the one that had the vehicle and the insurance card but he kept her vehicle that mercury topaz he began dating another woman shortly afterwards, and it's said that she moved in with him in the spring of 2000. This girlfriend later told police that Welch had Ashley and Laura's missing persons poster nailed to a wall in his home, and he lived in Pitcher, Oklahoma. Now, while she's staying there and living with him, she says that she overheard Phil Welch talking with the other two suspects Pennington and Busick about the Freeman and Bible case. She said that the three men implied that they had murdered the Freeman parents over a drug debt and then taken Ashley and Laura with them and eventually killed the girls as well. She went on to tell police that Phil Welch had several polaroid photos of the two girls and his girlfriend that she had seen these photos the the photos showed the two girls bound and lying on a bed that bed in the picture matched the one in Phil Welch's bedroom yeah there
3: was a long standing rumor by locals that there was this party that took place and that some men had these polaroids of the girls and that was a long standing rumor that we eventually figure out is true
0: In February 2017, the Craig County Sheriff found some previously unknown notes and documents about the Freeman and Bible case. This included notes about the case, but also notes from that private investigator, the one who had the insurance card in his possession. The papers had been left over from a previous sheriff administration and had apparently been misplaced. Now, acting on the information in those notes, investigators received additional leads, this linking Phil Welch, uh, Pennington, and Ronnie Busick to the case, and they started to locate and question other witnesses. One witness was a former girlfriend of Pennington's who said that Pennington had physically abused her and threatened her life. She said that he had bragged to her on more than one occasion about killing the Freemans during a quote bad drug deal. According to this witness, Pennington told her one of the Freemans' parents was buying drugs when Ashley and Laura suddenly walked into the room. They were using Phil Welch's girlfriend's vehicle that Mercury Topaz that night. Pennington told his girlfriend that he and the other men decided to take the girls from the crime scene to quote have some fun with them.
3: All right, cheers, mates, to the windows, to the walls. Cheers to everybody in the back. Cheers to you, Colonel. Cheers to you, Captain. So normally when we have an update, it's normally a good thing, but this is not an update that we are that thrilled about. But if you want more information about this case, again, we covered this. Episode 107 and 108.
0: Yeah, and we go through the Tommy Lynn cells and the other serial killer Jones. We go through those theories a little more extensively than we did here today, as well as covering some other theories about the case. And what was interesting in our coverage about the case, we didn't know how active the case was at the time. And we didn't know that all of these things were kind of brewing behind the scenes, but some of the theories we reviewed were similar to what we would learn all of these years later in 2018 when they said that they made an arrest and they were charging Ronnie Busick with murder, abduction, and arson. Mm -hmm. Now, leading up to that arrest we still have police working on this case and they're rounding up these additional witnesses and collecting statements that will help them build a case against Bussick and the other two deceased persons that were involved in this case as well. Now, multiple other witnesses connected the three men Pennington Welch and busick to the case. And these witnesses are giving similar stories about these guys boasting and bragging about their involvement in the Freeman and Bible case. Some of them said that they had seen the Polaroids of Ashley and Laura. and some of the photos, the two girls were bound and gagged, lying on a bed. And in others, they were duct taped to chairs. By the time investigators learned about the photos, these photos had all seemed to have disappeared as well and may have been destroyed by one or all of the suspects. But witnesses said they had seen them, and they could describe in great detail to authorities what these Polaroids were, what they were of, and, and what were seen in the photographs. There were approximately 10 to 15 photos of the girls, is the rumor. The witnesses were able to identify the bed that was seen in one of the at least one of the photos, a blanket on that bed, and these witnesses were able to identify the bed and the blanket as belonging to Phil Welch. And some of the photos showed Phil Welch lying next to the girls. Ronnie Busick told one witness the girls had been kept alive for days, perhaps as long as 2 weeks in a trailer in pitcher Oklahoma, where they were raped, tortured, and eventually strangled to death. Ronnie Busick said that Phil Welch had shot Kathy and Danny Freeman and that he and the other assailant, Pennington, stayed behind at the scene, at the murder scene, to set the fire to the trailer, to cover up the crimes, to cover up the evidence. And when they stayed behind, this is when Phil Welch took the two teenage girls away from the scene. Pennington and Welch had both threatened witnesses saying that Ashley and Laura were in a quote pit and that witnesses might end up in the same pit if they tell what they may know or or have overheard from these men. Now, because of these threats, none of the witnesses would come forward. This changed in 2017, when they discovered those lost notes, investigative notes in the case, and law enforcement were circling back and going to these people and asking them for statements or things that they have known, it's probably helped to loosen the, the grip on these witnesses a bit because we know that by 2017, two of these three terrible people had passed away so these witnesses probably felt a little safer and a little more secure in being able to give statements to law enforcement after two of these guys were already dead
3: well and think about that for a second i mean you have information you want to go to police but there's three killers out there you know what they're being accused of you you believe you know who did it You've heard the other rumors. There would be a part of you that would be afraid that if the cops don't get them or the information you give the police, if it's not enough, what are they going to do to you?
0: And if you're local and if you're keeping your ear to the ground, you're hearing whispers from the bushes, you're, you're paying attention to the investigation and paying attention to local rumor and local scuttlebutt, you may know that there's been some... I'm using air quotes here, evidence. This stuff turned out later to be evidence at the time they didn't know what they had, but you may know that, Hey, here's this private investigator. Here's these other people that have provided law enforcement with leads and they've turned away from them. So if I drop a dime here and try to call in one of these guys who one dude is known by many to be quote evil, all three of them are known to have a criminal background and at least two of them a history of violence. If you're going to drop a dime and call one or all three of these guys into authorities, what are you going to do then after you hang up the phone? Are you going to hope and pray that they follow up on that lead and arrest all of them so that no harm will come your way? Uh, it's a it's a very dicey situation. After all of this news comes out uh, in 2018, of course, we learned that Ronnie Busick, the only person of the three still alive. The only suspect uh, that is still alive out of three suspects. He's arrested for quadruple homicide. He tells police, and uh, this will make its way to the media that he suffers from memory loss and didn't remember what happened on the night of the murders. He doesn't remember the arson or where Laura and Ashley are. He it's reported that he has a low IQ and has sustained brain damage from extensive drug use and from an incident that took place in 1978 when he was shot in the head. Nonetheless, he was found legally competent to stand trial. So they move forward with court proceedings. In July of 2020, Ronnie Busick pled guilty to accessory To second degree murder. So you can see it's originally first degree murder, quadruple homicide, arson, abduction, kidnapping, you know, all of these charges. Look what it's reduced to. Pled guilty to accessory to second degree murder.
3: Well, it becomes difficult for law enforcement because maybe you can prove that he's involved, but because there's so many people involved, you can't prove that he's the trigger man. So you have to take what you can get sometimes. So they make a deal with him. So maybe the, in the be, in the best case scenario, you, you end up having to make a deal with this monster.
0: Right. You're making a deal with the devil here. You don't want to, but you're hoping that with him being the only one left of the three, you can't leverage each other against one another, right? right. Each one of these guys against one another to, to, to draw out information. Because if it's true that this guy has severe memory loss and does not know the information that you're seeking, you could likely get it from one of the other guys. But that's not going to work today because they're dead and gone.
3: And, wh- and what is he charged with? Well, what, he, what is his sentence?
0: Well, his sentence is supposed to be 10 years prison time, which I believe the families were originally told it was going to be 15 years. And Mm -hmm. then when he does get out, he's going to get five years of probation. But keep in mind, he does not plead guilty until July of 2020. They announced the arrest in April of 2018. So two of those years he spent in jail. His sentence, while it's handed down in 2020 and would start in 2020, he does get credited with that two years that he did in jail leading up to what was supposed to be a trial, which turns out to be a a plea agreement. Yeah. This guy's a real douche taco. So in that plea agreement, he said that Ashley and Laura's bodies had been put in the root cellar of a residence near sixth and Ethel in pitcher Oklahoma. However, searches of that area turned up. Nothing. Ronnie Busick was sentenced to, as we said, 10 years in prison and five years of probation. Authorities still hope to recover the girls' bodies, and that's what the families want as well. It's been 23 years, Captain, and I know the families feel like no one has helped them. There have been six or seven major digs, at least what uh, local law enforcement, the sheriff's office, are calling major digs in this case over the years. Uh, All of these major digs were based off of what they believe to be credible information coming into them about the possible location of the two girls or evidence leading them to the two girls. And unfortunately, of those digs that took place over the years, they've really turned up nothing.
3: Well, it's a tough situation because somebody that's this evil, you, you wouldn't put it past them that they would lie to law enforcement or lie to the families but in his case, you don't know if he's lying or if he's telling you the truth, and he just can't remember.
0: So here we sit now, and it's like either Ronnie Busick either does not know where Ashley and Laura are, or he simply refuses to to tell police where the girls can be found. And keep in mind, that was part of the deal that he was offered Ronnie Busick received a lighter sentence in trade for information of where the girls are. And as said, he either does not know or refuses to give up that information. So I ask of all of you, why in the hell should this guy get that lighter sentence when he did not uphold his end of this bargain?
3: I 100% agree with you. And and what they should be doing is saying, hey, we're not going to let you out. Until you give us this information, until we can confirm that what you're telling us is the truth, until we get, until we can recover the bodies of these victims. So whatever your sentence was supposed to be, that's the sentence that you're going to serve.
0: And the reason why we're having this update today here in the garage, we're almost treating this like it's an emergency podcast. It is. We have to get this information out. We have to get this there needs to be a, a great deal of media attention made and an, a strong effort made in this case because these people were wronged, four people were murdered, two girls were abducted and tortured for what could have been days or even up to two weeks.
3: Yeah, these criminals, they should have been tortured themselves.
0: We're doing this emergency podcast because we sit here. May 9th, 2023, and this guy, the only guy that's still alive of the three, Ronnie Busick, is going to be walking out of prison in less than two weeks' time from now. He is scheduled to be released Friday, May 19th, 2023. So if you live in this area, if you live in the great state of Oklahoma, Lock your guess doors. who your next neighbor? Yes, guess who your next neighbor could be. It could be a guy who is guilty of quadruple homicide, arson. He's been involved in drugs and other crimes throughout his adult life. Killed four people and was involved and participated in the rape and torture of I mean their teenage girls, their children.
3: Kidnapped them, tortured them, raped them, then murdered them.
0: And he's the only one that's alive. Who's to say that he wasn't the mastermind? Who's to say that he is not the most evil of these three. We don't have the other two guys to talk to, to confirm or refute his statements of the, the memories he chooses to have about that night and the days afterward.
3: Yeah. And, And where is the protection for the family? Four of their family members are dead. Where's the protection for them? Where's the justice for the victims? Right. Again, if you make a deal and you can't provide the information to law enforcement, there should be no deal.
0: Revoke the deal. Take the deal back. He didn't hold up his end of the bargain. You didn't want to make a deal with the devil to begin with. You felt that you were backed into a corner and you had to. And then. Sadly, and shamefully, this is the result. This guy was locked up in jail, waiting trial in 2018, gets this really major deal in his benefit in 2020. And here we're sitting here. That was July of 2020. It's not even been three years and they're going to release this guy. So even if you're going to give him credit for his two years in jail, we're talking about this guy kills four people, abducts and rapes people and gets basically a five-year prison sentence.
3: Well, this is what pisses me off so much too, is when they go, well, it's good behavior again. You're locked in with other animals. If you step out of line, they might kill you. But on top of that, a lot of these a lot of these shit princesses, they're 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 drug addicts. And so, well, when they're not on drugs, they're not killing and raping people. So this guy gets out. I don't care what age he's at
0: or what health level he's at. He gets back on drugs. Watch out. He's seventy one years old. Many are saying, well, he's too old. He's not a danger anymore. That's not what this is about. I mean, that's part of it, but but the big part of it is supposed to be that he receives a some type of punishment on this planet that is I, I was gonna say worthy of the crimes he committed, but I mean nothing nothing can bring these people back. Mm-hmm. And but but still five years is absolutely shameful and appalling. And I hope that the people of Oklahoma It's horseshit. Catch wind of this because this this is news. This wasn't something that the families were told five years ago, oh, he'll be out in 2023. No, this was news to the families and to to the people of this area as well, just within the past couple of weeks. And so now they're they're scurrying there. They're trying to figure out is there anything that we can do to keep this guy behind bars, but again, seventy-one years old. I would argue, somebody that that participated in these types of crimes, if he's breathing, he's a danger. And and not only that, he did this in cahoots with two others. Who's to say how far his tentacles can or cannot reach? Who who else is he in in communication with or relationship with that that could get to? to some of these people or what other crimes will he commit once he gets back out?
3: Yeah. And if there's a uproar, as far as the public is concerned, as far as media, local news, covering this national news, covering this, the argument here is pretty simple. He did not supply law enforcement with the information that he claimed that he had. So the deal should be off the table. So, okay. Uh, he was a model citizen. He, he he had no problems in prison. Well, he should be spending a longer amount of time in prison because that information that he gave didn't work out. So until he can give that information, they should not even be considering him uh, reducing his time at all.
0: And typically, good behavior results in you serving 80% of your sentence. Here, he's serving... or slightly less than 50%. Yeah.
3: And keep in mind, this makes the justice system look like a joke.
0: Yeah. He's older, but these crimes were committed 23 years ago. They weren't committed 55 years ago. Mm -hmm. He would have been in his forties. And in fact, both Laura Bible and Ashley Freeman have been missing since that night. The night of December 30th, 1999, they were both just 16 years old. In fact, Ashley Freeman had been 16 for one day when they were abducted and then subjected to torture. Today, Laura would be just 40 years old, and Ashley just 39.
3: Yeah, and I don't care if you're tired of me saying it. He made a deal. He didn't live up to his end of the deal, and until he does... He needs to spend more time in prison.
0: This is not the first time that we've done an update in this case, in the missing Welch girls case. In fact, we did an update after Busick was arrested and then convicted after he pled guilty on our other show off the record. OTR if you're nasty and big news. If you haven't already heard off the record is coming back in a big way, and it's back, and it's better than ever. Yeah, cup of coffee in the big time.
3: Cup of coffee in the big time, yeah. You can get uh, off the record if you're nasty. You just go to a Apple Podcast, and you'll see a subscription. Sign up on the subscription. You get the first 50 episodes that we've ever put out of True Crime Garage. We just released our two bonus episodes on Off The Record, Tony Muncie bonus episode, and also uh, The Brick of Family Murders. And then this Sunday will be the first new OTR, if you're nasty. And we got a lot of stuff already recorded for Off The Record that we're super excited for you guys to check out. It's gonna be awesome, but it's also a great way to support the show Because there's no middleman now. All of our bonus content before was through Stitcher Premium. Now Off The Record is completely independent. It's just me and Nick's show. So thanks for the support.
0: So we often do these case updates on Off The Record and dive a little deeper and take a different weird angle sometimes in these cases on Off The Record. Now, sad news in another missing persons case not related to this case, but a case that we covered on True Crime Garage. In fact, we covered this case February 2023, February of this year, in episode 650. And that is the missing persons case of Bo Man. And I can see here there's sad news coming from Help Find Bo Man on Twitter and Help Find Bo Man, the Facebook group. They're saying, friends, we have difficult news. Here's a statement from our entire family. We were notified by the Santa Monica, California police that Bo Man's remains were found in a grassy area about a mile from where an Uber dropped him off on November 30, 2021. His identity was confirmed through dental records. At this point, we have no further details on what led to his death. We want to thank all of those who helped us search for him and who prayed for Bo's safe return over the past year and a half. Bo was a beautiful soul who spent the better part of his life helping others. We miss his infectious smile and positive attitude every day. We know his spirit will live on through his company and passion sober grid as it continues to help those struggling with the grip of addiction. So certainly our thoughts and prayers uh, and feelings go out to Bowman's family and friends and all of those who were searching for him over the last year and a half. Again, that was our episode number 650 from February of this year. Sad news. I want to give go through this article, Captain, if you will allow me, because this is gives an interesting perspective on the welch girls case in the current state of the case and this is an article an online article from fox 23 news right that came out just earlier this month on may 2nd and the headline reads family of 1999 missing welch girl laura bible says henrietta tragedy hits close to home and the article reads: The family of Laura Bible, a teenage girl from Greene County who disappeared, and investigators believe was likely murdered along with her friend Ashley Freeman, say the tragedy in Henrietta strikes close to their hearts. Laura Bible and Ashley Freeman were kidnapped and murdered after a sleepover for Ashley's birthday in 1999. The Bible family says their hearts go out to the families involved in the Henrietta cha- tragedy. Laura's mom, Lorene. And her cousin Lisa say they were shocked when they heard about the missing girls and the tragedy in Henrietta. Quote, when it came through and it said there were two missing girls, they were missing and you find out they went to a sleepover. Exact same thing with Laura and Ashley, Lorraine said. Quote, I just couldn't even read it because it was just too real and too close to home, Lisa added. Lisa and Laureen say the deaths of 14-year-old Ivy Webster and 16-year-old Brittany Brewer, along with five other people, including three other teens, brought memories flooding back, and they want to help. Quote, it's a very sad place to have, to be, but it does help to know that you're not alone and that other people have went through, and in our case, still going through what they went through just yesterday, said Lisa. They need to know that they can pick up a phone or go to our page where they can text us, just talk to somebody that knows the shoes that they are in. Last week, the Bible family was told Ronnie Busick, the only suspect still alive in Laura and Ashley's disappearance is getting out of prison early for good behavior. Meanwhile, in Henrietta, convicted rapist Jesse McFadden was believed to be one of the bodies found with the children in this week's tragedy. This was only hours after he missed a scheduled court appearance accused of sexting an underage girl while he was in prison. Lisa says the Henrietta tragedy highlights the need for justice reform in Oklahoma. Quote, Why was he released? Had there been different laws, had they have held him accountable for what he was doing, while he was in prison, there are six people that would have been alive still today. These two girls that would have went to a sleepover and come home like they should have. So that is the Bible family, immediate and extended, voicing their opinions on this this case that just broke not too long ago down in Henrietta, where similar situation, unfortunately, Captain, where we have somebody who is a a criminal, uh, somebody that deserves and should be behind bars. He's let out, he's released, and then he is set free to kill again. And that's exactly what we're talking about with Ronnie Busick's case and Laura Bible and Ashley Freeman. This guy, I don't care how old he is. I don't care that he's 71 years old. He's getting out. He's, he's admitted to his involvement, his direct involvement and participation in killing four people, setting a fire to cover up these crimes, and torturing children. It's fucking appalling. Uh, for for more, than, more than a day or two, maybe even up to two weeks. It's despicable. He's getting out. He served five years, basically a, f- a month shy of a five-year prison sentence for good behavior and he's going to get a, a very limited probation period. This guy is dangerous. This guy should this should be of a major concern not just to the Bible family and to the Freeman family but to all families in this area in regard to this very dangerous individual being released number 1 and number 2 their treatment and punishments and sentences that they hand out for these very violent, very dangerous criminals going forward in their state. The, until this gets fixed, the people in Oklahoma aren't safe. And here's the thing, this story of Ronnie getting out early, this story of this Jesse McFadden who gets out and then kills again, these are the stories that everybody needs to tell somebody to pay attention to. Listen to this podcast. Pass along an article, this great article from Fox 23 News. Tell your friends, tell your family, this is no good. And you don't have to be in the state of Oklahoma to make a difference here. This is something that everyone, everywhere should care about. Their own personal safety, the safety of their children. This is ridiculous.
3: Oh, yeah. And society in general. Sometimes seems like such a freaking joke and we act like that. We can't do anything about it. Well, we can.
0: Thank you, captain. And I want to um, discuss before we wrap up here today, because I think this is pretty powerful stuff and it, and it really leaves a lot to think about when we talk about this case, but a letter that fell into our hands here, captain, um, and it, it needs to be communicated in, Everybody needs to know about this. So this is a letter from the attorney general in Oklahoma. His name is Gintner Drummond. So Mr. Drummond and uh, the attorney general for the the state of Oklahoma says, and he's talking to the, the Freeman and Bible families, addressing the families here of these, these victims of these child victims. And his letter says, I understand and share your frustrations regarding Ronnie Busick's scheduled release from prison. The murders of Laura Bible and Ashley Freeman and the murders of Danny and Kathy Freeman were horrific and deserving of the harshest punishment allowed by law. Okay, he's got some things right so far. The letter goes on to say, unfortunately, after thoroughly examining examining my office's statutory authority, and consulting with District Attorney Matt Ballard, it is evident that neither the Attorney General nor the District Attorney possesses the legal authority to delay Busick's release from prison. I am extremely sorry that I cannot provide any relief to you. Your family's willingness to speak out about this unjust outcome demonstrates that those convicted of accessory to murder should be required to serve at least 85% of the sentence imposed. I stand ready to assist any legislator who might wish to draft a bill addressing this clear problem. Please know, however, that this law will apply only to future cases given constitutional limitations. I hope knowing that I can join the citizens of Oklahoma who see and share your pain and disappointment can give you some amount of comfort. I am suggesting in a separate letter to Representative Steve Bashor that any bill introduced to change the accessory to murder law be named after Laura and the Freeman family as a testament to the power of your voices and to ensure that your loved ones names live on. Your families will remain in my thoughts. Please know that I am inspired by your fight to seek justice for your loved ones. And that's right here at the garage. We are inspired by their fight as well to continue to stick up for and fight for justice for their loved ones. So our hats and our thoughts and, uh, prayers, our hats go off to the the Freeman family and the and the Bible family, and our thoughts go out to them, and we certainly wish them the best of luck in this very difficult, aggravating situation. And hear what the the Attorney General is saying there, everyone. This is not just a one isolated incident type problem. This is something that needs to be changed in the state of Oklahoma. Ronnie Busick's getting out early, and it looks like we're all handcuffed, and there's very little that we can do to change that. He's getting out May 19th. Lock up, your, lock up the women and children. And your husband, too. Uh, keep your family safe the best you can when you have a quadruple murderer out walking on the streets and out roaming the streets. Of your good neighborhoods. Share this story. Tell somebody you know. Tell other people about this story. This story needs to be th- the best chance to get change in Oklahoma is to put a lot of earballs and a lot of eyeballs on this case. And we know that our listeners are really good at doing that. The important thing also to remember here is that this is still an ongoing case, right? We have. Some of the story, we have one guy who remains that has told us what he says happened. I don't know how much we can believe him. Again, he could be he could be the mastermind of all this for all we know. But at the end of the day, even if we can get some good positive change, this is still a missing persons case. Remember, you, they made a deal with the devil and the devil duped him, right? The devil duped him. It tricked all of us, bamboozled all of us. He didn't give up the location of Laura Bible and Ashley Freeman. They are still missing. Both Laura Bible and Ashley Freeman have been missing since the night of December 30th, 1999. They were both just 16 years old today. Laura would be just 40 years old and Ashley 39 Laura is native American. She is listed at five foot, five inches tall with brown hair and hazel eyes. She may have been wearing a blue shirt, jeans, white sneakers, or black boots. And she was wearing a silver heart-shaped earrings with embedded diamonds. Ashley Freeman is Caucasian, five foot seven inches tall. She has blonde hair and blue eyes. Ashley had an athletic build back in 1999. She may have been wearing a t-shirt, jeans, a baseball cap, white sneakers, a windbreaker, and a class ring inscribed with the phrase, Blue Jacket High School Class of 2000. Very important stuff right here. If you have any information that could help to find Laura and or Ashley, or if you have any further information about the suspects that we've been talking about, Ronnie Busick, Warren Phil Welch, or David Pennington, or any other criminal activity that any or all of these guys have been involved in, please contact the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation. And notice the descriptions. Make mental note of those descriptions of Laura and Ashley. If you have seen any of these items that they may have been wearing, there's some very specific items here too. These are clues that could help lead us to finding, to finally finding Ashley Freeman and Laura Bible. We talk about silver heart-shaped earrings with embedded diamonds. Very unique. We talk about a windbreaker and a class ring inscribed with the phrase Blue Jacket High School Class of 2000. These are key items, very specific items that may help lead to finding one or both of these girls. We need to bring them home to their loved ones. And if what we believe happened happened, took place we need to get them a a proper resting place if you have any information at all or know somebody that does please do not hesitate please please call reach out to the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation their phone number is 800-522-8017 and their number will be listed in today's show notes That wraps up things for today. Make sure you join us back here in the garage next week. And until then, be good, be kind, and don't live.